Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you so much for tuning into the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. Really excited for today's conversation. Um, Today, we are joined by Rose Simard, who is on a mission to help people better their relationships by guiding her clients to navigate the complexities of conflict with grace, harmony, and integrity. She founded KIM to provide professional divorce and business service that combines the emotional and practical support before, during, and after divorce as it relates to both their both their present and future finances. So I'm so excited to have you on this episode, Rose. Um, lots that we can talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Um, to get started, do you want to just share though a little bit about your background and what brought you to, you know, build this business in particular that you're working with with today and and sort of the model that you're using today? Of course. Yeah. Thank you. So I actually have a financial services background. Um, I've been both on the lending and on the investment side. And in 2012, um, I actually got a head injury um, and it sort of rocked my world in terms of me realigning and deciding what I wanted to do when I grew up. So um, at that point, you know, I loved my job. I had a really successful career, but um, it made me realize that there's so much more that um, I could help people in a different way. So I was actually, on, I started on my own journey in, um, to what I was looking for. I was considering becoming a CFA, uh, getting my accounting destination. So I'm a little bit of a numbers geek. I love spreadsheets. I love process, but none of it really kind of called to me. And I was actually in a friend's office and she's a family law lawyer. And I was telling her, I was thinking actually going back into the investing side and she said, Oh, I'll become your first client. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not really sure. I said, I actually really want to help people, um, start their wealth like it did work through as opposed to grow it like I I really love my I find I'm an incubator like I'm a a startup person I like things from the ground level and then people can then just grow from there so I sat on and then she actually told me about this certified divorce financial analyst and I was like "Hmm, never heard of it before I did actually park that for a little while I did look into it and then fast forward two years later um, someone actually, a friend of mine knew that I would, had been looking for something and a mediator role actually came up and he thought I'd be great at it. So I actually had two people tell me that this would be really aligned with the personality that I did. So I actually didn't know what mediation was for, you know, to set the record straight. I have not been divorced myself. So it's, um, there's many people that actually get into the industry because they want to change the industry because they're, their negative experience. But I actually come from a, from a different perspective is that I've always been wanting to help 
people. And I actually don't really uh, shy away from conflict, like difficult situations and so forth. So I got into the work. I did my first mediation course, which was uh, basics of communication. And I thought, oh my God, these are life skills. These are things that everybody should know about. So I kind of got hooked from there, having, having to want to help. And then, so I started working for someone else doing mediation. And then I met a psychologist, actually. I was selling furniture online and he had just moved back to, to Calgary. And we got into talking about how um, if there was a more of a wellness component, if there was a more of a personal coaching part to mediation, um, how much easier it would be. Because I was finding that people would go through mediation um, and it wouldn't be what they expected. They were looking either for somebody to tell them what they should do, or they were looking to tell their story and have someone side with them. Um, they didn't understand that mediation is really a person that's going to or assist a process that's going to facilitate their conversations there is no solution recommending and stuff like that so it's a very fine balance so what I'd find is people get through mediation and they'd realize they'd come to a settlement and they wouldn't be happy they'd realize oh we were fighting over that or they wouldn't get to the resolution that they expected so I just found that there was no big aha moment. There was no angels coming down saying, oh, you're divorced and everything's going to be good at that point. So I actually approached the, my employer and I said, you know, it would be nice if there was a holistic, there was a, a personal coaching part to this. And, and they said, mm, you know what? No, we don't see it. Everything's working. We don't want to improve our model. So I, a year later, I thought, no, I'm going to venture out. So I ventured out on my own. And I will, when clients need it, I'll often ask them if they have benefits. And so whether they should, you know, go into counseling because their benefits can cover it or consider working with a um, life coach or career coach, or I'll, I've connected myself with so many different um, types of people that can help them because everybody has different unique needs. And that is the approach I take uh, is really that holistic approach that you can't just go through the motions of divorce. Otherwise, you'll find yourself really in the same boat or come out actually more broken than when you started. Yeah, I love that because it's oftentimes people think, well, then, you know, we'll deal with damage control at, at the end of it, right? Like once it's all said and done, then it's about rebuilding and, and kind of being back there. But if you can do that during you can like you like just come to that that mm -hmm. those decisions those very important decisions that have to be made and things need to be finalized what if you could come to those in that you're coming from you know your best self or are on your way to being that um and making sure that you're making those decisions with that clear head and um and again, there is so much emotion involved. So making sure yeah. that you're in a space where you feel really comfortable with the decisions you're making. Um, yeah. By having those other people kind of on your side, on your team. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I think so what you, you, yeah, you described it quite well, because this is more preventative. Yeah. Whereas you're right. So many people think, well, now we're going to do damage control. We're now we're going to do this. But what if you never even had to do that? Um, how much further ahead you would be. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you just really, the resolution piece was so much better and you felt so good about it that you don't have to say, you know, I didn't see things going that way or, or still be angry or hold resentment or whatever that looks like. Um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is such an interesting approach and a very unique. And I'm, I love that you're doing this work. It's so needed. Um, 
can we talk a little bit about then, I think it's important to have these conversations about sort of the different, you know, ways and, and how the laws are in place. Like we were talking before we got started about how, um, it is very, you know, law-based and some of the things are a little bit hard to, you know, establish. We can't put it in a chart form or anything like that when it comes to, um, you know, your children and, and sort of deciding on um, a schedule for that and, and all those other elements. So, you know, obviously the money and the finances is one piece, but there is so much emotional um, parts involved. So, can we just talk about kind of, you know, what that looks like to give people kind of your perspective on that as well? Yeah. And that's actually really valuable information because there's a lot of misunderstanding. I actually say that divorce is probably the most counterintuitive process you'll ever go through because it's an emotional process, but yet the the system just deals with the logic, just deals with the way um, it's the process and the way it needs to be done or how it's always been done. So the law is actually quite prescriptive when it comes to finances in terms of money division. It's actually pretty clear who gets what and how it's all divided. And it has, unfortunately, in Canada, not unfortunately, but in Canada, we're no fault. Uh, We have no fault law, which means that doesn't matter if either one of you, what mistakes you made, what you did to cause the marriage breakdown, things are going to be equitably divided. Um, so pleading your case and, and being attached to the story and the hurt is not going to change it. And you can go all the way to court. And at the end of the day, the judge is still going to make it. And maybe you might get an extra 5%, maybe 10%, but you're never going to get everything because someone you feel you deserve more, right? So that's really important for people to understand. Um, And then in my experience, the cases that actually go to court that end up taking the longest do involve the kids. They do involve the family because actually the laws are pretty unclear when it comes to family and to access and to custody. Fortunately, we the Divorce Act was actually updated in the last year. And so we have some more family-friendly terms. Uh, we're no longer talking about access. We're talking about parenting time and getting all that. So those are good things in order to sort of bring down the animosity, the severity or seriousness of the industry. So it puts people a little bit more at ease when we're using the same everyday language because it's foreign to most people, right? Um, So yeah, the laws aren't clear in terms of what ages the kids can decide or who gets to decide what. So people need to realize that when they're coming out and working out agreements regarding their kids, it's all the negotiation. The law is not going to come out and say, you need to do it this way. What they're going to do is listen to both cases and make the best judgment. But if it's going to go all the way to court, you have somebody deciding the fate of your family who has only you're in front of what, maybe for two hours and it becomes a, he said, she said, wouldn't it be better served if you can, um, you know, talk or at least direct your conversations with a facilitator, a mediator, or a, you know, level-headed lawyer to sort of, for you to understand what the costs are. And I don't even just talk about financially, just what are the costs of digging in your heels and saying, I want this, right? So, um, because it, it really does impact and unhappy parents, unfortunately, it does trickle down to their kids. And there's a, there's a fundamental uh, ripple effect that is negative. And I don't think that's the legacy most people want to leave. They just don't know any different. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, it is such an emotional, like I was saying with my experience personally, um, with my mm-hmm. daughter and, um, child, like visitation or scheduling when I had to deal with that with my ex, it was very emotional. And yeah, I found myself like in tears crying and my lawyer telling me that I can't cry. <laughs> um, it's hard cause it's, it's a, it's an emotional thing though. It's like, it's one thing to just, you know, cry about numbers on a page, but mm-hmm. this is my daughter. This is, you know, someone who's so important to me. And, and so this is a big thing. It is a big deal and it brings up emotion. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but there's no there's no room for emotion apparently in the law. So that's well now with the lawyers, no. you can get a lot more affordable help by going through counseling or working with a coach or working, yeah. you know, having a, a good confidant who's going to not just tell you what you want to hear, but to be a sounding board because a lot of it we need to actually get it out. We're especially women, we need to talk it out. We need to actually have somebody who's going to tell us that oh we're being unreasonable or you know have you thought about it this way? That's not a lawyer's job that's not what they're trained to do so if you can you know have a lawyer for specific things and then get support in other ways you'll a be ahead way more emotionally you'll have spent a lot less money and you won't find yourself stuck without any results that you want yeah yeah because ultimately exactly lawyers their fees are usually a little you know, going to be on the higher range compared to some of these other professionals, like you're saying, counselors, coaches. Um, yeah. Lawyers can get their fees up quite a bit, their hourly rate. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so yeah, going to the right person, um, uh, is also going to work out better for you financially for sure. Um, what would you say then, like, are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making or, or yeah, like going through when it comes to divorce and, Cause you, you know, you obviously work with a lot of different clients and I'm assuming they're in kind of different, obviously everyone has their own experience they're going through, but they're maybe in different stages or they've gone through a bit of some of the other methods and it hasn't worked or things like that. So maybe, yeah, maybe some of the biggest mistakes you can share with us or. Um, I think the biggest mistake, especially if there's kids involved is thinking that they can outsource it to the lawyers or other people to do the work. And, and unfortunately, the lawyers, all the professionals that you hire, they're only there to guide you. Uh, I like to say that, you know what, divorce is like a journey and no one can walk it for you. They can only walk it with you. So keeping that in mind is that you can't avoid being in the muck. You can't avoid the work that's involved. So the more that you can do yourself, the A, you're going to preserve your sanity, um, your sense of pride or accomplishment because you're in control and the less you do yourself then you're always wondering what's going to happen if it could have been done differently and and so forth so the often people will come in and say well we're not even on talking terms so I have to get a lawyer and I'm like well you're gonna have to figure out how to be on talking terms because sure you can go through the whole process with your lawyer and then what your lawyer's not going to move in with you your lawyer's going when you're eventually done you're going to have to communicate with that parent the other parent like you can't have a go-between forever so the sooner you can have some direct uh, communication. And I tell people, um, if especially if there's a lot of conflict or a lot of emotions, think of it as a business-like transaction and then hope that eventually you could become neighborly and you could be friendly. But, you know, look at this. It is a transaction. It is really a transaction. And I know that sounds really cold, but it does help manage the emotions, sort of help be able to take a step back and say, you know, does this actually make sense? Right. If you're looking at it from that way. 
Mm -hmm. The other uh, mistake that I see a lot of people doing is they lawyer up because their spouse has lawyered up right away. Um, And that doesn't actually have to happen. You don't actually need a lawyer to get divorced anywhere in Canada or the United States. A lot of people don't know that. Um, So lawyers do play their role um, in this book. In the process, but they should not be your first call. They should be your last resort. Okay. Okay. What are some of the options of where people can start then? Or I guess, um, so would people have, maybe they have thought, wow, I always, always assumed you just need a lawyer and that's the first call they make. What are some of the other options, I guess, that can come before that? I think the first thing is look at your community and look around if you know anybody who's gone through the process and you've admired how they've gone through the process. Uh, stay away from the negative, right? Everybody has a negative story. So I would first find out, do you know anybody who's gone through it that seemed to have done okay? Get advice from them, like, or at least approach them. Um, that is the first step. Second step is go online, but only go to government agencies. So go to Alberta government of Alberta sites. There's actually resources for every province, every state, but stay away from law firms, even mediation firms, everything, because those are all opinions. Those are all spins on things. So go to only government site. Like there's a fantastic series um, from start to finish with five booklets by the Alberta Legal Society um, that's available. And I give that out to clients all the time. It talks about property division. It talks about parenting, talks about custody. It talks about the actual divorce process, self-representing. So always check the first, the government sites first um, and try to stay way off of every other site. Um, that is my first, because Dr. Google could be, it could be a black hole. And that's why just, if you're gonna go online, only go to government reputable sites that okay. um, are going to do that. And there, there's a ton of information out there, which is great. Um, ask questions, right? Um, you have to remember too that even if you hire a lawyer, a lawyer works for you, not the other way around. So just because you don't know what you're doing doesn't mean you can't ask questions or shouldn't be asking questions of your lawyer. Um, there's mediation, but you know I always say to people um, as a mediator, the more you can do yourself, the better, right? So giving, getting some conflict coaching, some communication coaching. And those are really beneficial because those won't just help you in your divorce. They'll actually help you in your career. They're going to help you as a parent. They're going to help you deal with any difficult situation. So get some coaching where you feel you need it. Yeah. I love that. Like, cause then it's, you know, it's putting it our, our own future too feels like more in our own hands that we can be part of the process and it's not something that's happening to us then necessarily. Right. It's something that Mm -hmm. we're engaged in. We're a part of. And, and that learning piece that those, like you said, those booklets and these videos there, except that there is going to be an element of learning that you're going to have to learn some, the doggies in the background, my dog, yeah, wants attention. Uh, (laughs) that there is going to be an element of you, you know, getting accustomed to what are the rules and the laws. And that's going to doing those, that almost homework though, on your own side of things is going to save you in the long end run, right? Like, cause then you're going to ask the right questions. You're going to save yourself some time probably with, cause a lot of these professionals are charging by the hour. And if, if you can do some of your own research. So I guess we're thinking that it's going to, you know, take some work on your part, that there's going to be some homework. There's going to be some, a learning curve because it's, we're not all familiar with this unless you're, you have to go through it. Then of course you, it's a crash course and learning all these, um, 
different, the lingo too. I, I remember there was just so much lingo that I didn't understand. And so um, making sure that you're acquainted with that as well. So mm-hmm. doing yeah. kind of taking it into your, I love that. And the idea of then working with those other professionals to really, it's going to benefit you. It's going to grow you as a person at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's an investment in yourself as well. Huge investment. And, and I think people have to remember they're, they're expert on their own family, their own, their themselves, they need to trust themselves. And, and that is really easier said than done, especially because usually trust is really low when you're going through divorce. Um, So you don't trust, you know, your spouse because things are ending and it just, it does trickle over to other people as well. Right. So, cause you're so hurt is that you have to build back up your own confidence, your own self-esteem so that you're not feeling like you're depending on others that way. And, and knowledge is the first part of it. Um, knowledge is definitely power and, but you don't have to become the expert either. You just need to find people that uh, you can understand that you have confidence that they're explaining it and they'll actually have your best interests at heart, right? They're not making decisions for you, but they're helping you make decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, finding the right fit? Cause it, it seems like then maybe it is a step of like interviewing, um, from, from, I guess, even just the model that the person is using and then also the professional specifically. Yeah, no, um, I shouldn't say, yeah, no, there is, um, you have to trust your gut. Uh, you shouldn't have multiple conversations. If you are any, even a mediator, um, any paralegal, a lawyer, anybody should probably be talking to at least two to three and sort of comparing and comparing apples to apples as well. Right. Um, what are their fees? What would they be doing? And Trust your gut because if you don't have a good feeling, it's not going to get any better. I'll tell you, it's going to get worse, right? So, um, I do have one piece of advice that if uh, I could, if I'd like, if you're willing or open to for me to share, absolutely. I always ask people, like, um, I always recommend that they do have a conversation with a lawyer, right? But the lawyer's job is to advocate for the client. So when you've had your gotten your opinion from your lawyer or from a lawyer, one good thing to ask at the very end is, you know, is that everything? And then next would be like, okay, if my spouse was sitting, my partner was sitting here across from me or across from you, what advice would you give them? If it's completely different advice then that lawyer is what they're doing is they're actually escalating the issues. They're actually determining that here it is. So you want to have a representation that's going to help you resolve, not, not going to create more problems, right? So that's a different perspective. If they're going to change their story completely and say, tell you, you should be getting all this and then telling the other person that, oh, they shouldn't have to pay this. How are you ever going to get to resolution? Yeah. I love that. That's a very interesting way to look at it. So that's a really important question to ask. Make sure you're asking that when you're interviewing. Um, that's vital. I think I, I, my mind, I would have never thought of that, but that is so key because it's a resolution we're looking for right at the end of the day, because it has to resolve. It has to end at one point. We don't want things to last forever. I'm sure you've seen. Um, mm-hmm. and I've heard of two in my business ones, the divorces that have lasted, you know, five years, 10 years, just like your just mind is blown at how long these things have gone on and still no resolution. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. I had a couple who came to me, um, after a year and a half, they separated when their child was only five months old. So their daughter was 
just turning two when they first came to me. They had spent $160,000 on lawyers in and out of court. Um, they had no communication breakdown completely. So they couldn't even be in the same room. Everything could be escalated. It, it, it was, they were desperate. Um, they didn't see any end in sight. So they started working with me. Within six months, they got to a resolution, which is great. Took a little bit longer to get them to finally sign off with the lawyers. But the one thing with them is that they're, they kept talking through the lawyers and, and there was no, they didn't actually learn how to communicate at all. And I was able to communicate with both of them, but they would tell me, they'd be like, well, can you tell her that? Can you tell him that? And I'd be like, no, I'll help you position the conversation. I said, I'm not doing you any favors if I'm just going to communicate on your behalf. I said, you're going to have to learn how to actually communicate. So taught them, like talked about the business thing. Okay, keep it really simple and start having small successes. And so now they're effectively co-parenting, right? Their daughter's four now. I, I work with them. I'm actually written into their separation agreement that I'll recalculate their child support every year. Um, so I'm the, the ongoing professional, but they're, they're done with their lawyers now. Yeah. But uh, when they have problems, every report, generally all separation agreements say that if there's any future problems, they're going to return to mediation. So why not start with mediation? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, with my experience, it was like a bad game of telephone. Like I would say something to my lawyer who would say to his lawyer, who would say to him. And by the time it got to him, it was a completely different message. And it was actually like escalating almost like the, the conflict or where things were at. And, and I just happened to be on an email that wasn't supposed to go to me directly, but my lawyer first, and then potentially me, I don't know, but it was just like, I was like, wait, that's not at all what I intended. And, and it, so it's just, like you said, if you can take away as many of the, the middlemen as possible, it's, it's really hard to have someone act on your behalf and, and say things exactly the way you're trying to get them across. Um, so if they can, if people can get to that point, like mm -hmm. you said, where they can be talking directly, even if they need some help on, you know, how am I going to approach this topic or how is it going to go? But if they can still be the one delivering it, it's a lot a lot less people, a lot less potential for miscommunication. Yeah, there's a great resource and I refer this to, uh, it's called the High Conflict Institute. Okay. Um, and I believe it's just highconflictinstitute.com and they have some great resources on Bill Eddy. He's written multiple books on divorce and separation, co-parenting, dealing with, you know, high conflict people, you know, so those are free resources that help you manage the difficult conversations. Absolutely. Okay. So looking for though, again, there's so much mm -hmm. of this resources in, in place, make sure that you're seeking these, these things out. Um, do you have any ideas? So I guess those are resources, but I had a note here on ideas for navigating conflict. So the communication, the resources, anything else that we can add to that um, when it comes to um, high conflict or conflict or yeah. If my guessing sometimes no response is the best response, <laughs> right? Um, there's the acronym that's actually been uh, coined by Bill Eddy, who's the co-founder of the High Conflict Institute, is to have your communication be BIF, be brief, informative, firm, but friendly. So, um, you know, no apologizing, no justifying, just here's the request. Um, you know, making it on point, no more than five sentences, 
right? Okay. Keep it a very short paragraph. And, you know, someone, if they respond when you expected, thank people, like, it, you know, you don't have to go overboard in the compliments, but do try to understand. And just know that conflict is not completely unavoidable. It's about managing it better. Um, so if you can get your head around that, I think that's actually a big thing is that, you know, there's the also quote by the uh, Max Lucando or Lucado, I don't know, but conflict is inevitable, but battle is optional. So if you think about that, that's really important is that you can't avoid it altogether, but you can manage it better. And when you have some small successes or you don't get, um, you know, let some, somebody under your skin, under your skin, right? You, you start living, you start actually being a bit more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So that reminder that conflict it's, it's okay. It's inevitable. Um, that's important. I think for people to just kind of sit with and remember, um, yeah, because it's, it's just a matter of then how are we going to get through it? How are we going to get to that resolution in, you know, a timely fa- manner, a, a way that's, you know, with minimal impact on, on sort of the hurting each other or things like that, that it's just how can we get to that resolution? Because again, at the end of the day, it's always, you're going to have to get there sometime at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing I would like to add, yeah. Kaylee, is that, um, Divorce takes time. Like you're not going to unwrap, like undo a relationship that's even if it's a year, like it's not going to happen overnight in five years, 25 years. Just understand that is a process and time does not heal all, but it does help um, quiet the temperature to actually lower the conflict a little bit that it's not a race. You, You don't actually have to do it in the same way is that don't stop living. Like try to figure out how it is that you can actually live while going through the process, because what a lot of people do is they put everything else on hold and and they race to want to get this done. And then they're disappointed at the end, or they realize that they're holding their breath for far too long. Like they got caught up in it all. And there's a term when you're negotiating, it's called BATNA. So what is the best alternative to not agreeing? And I always try to get clients to realize that is that not everything needs to be resolved right away and stronger your BATNA is like the bet your that's your walking away point that's actually the more leverage you have so if you're going to let people you're going to continue reacting or letting people uh, get the better of you you're actually losing your own power you're giving your own power away okay I love that. So let's remember that too. That's a good key advice as well. Um, very good. These are great. I wish I knew these ones when I was going through it, but yeah, there's no time like the present. And obviously, hopefully, you know, this is benefiting listeners that might be going through this, um, experience Mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. Um, we're both, I mean, we're both numbers people. So is there anything you can kind of talk about on just the financial side of things, any kind of quick tips for people when it comes to the finances, um, when you're going through divorce. Um, yeah, oftentimes what I see personally, I work with a lot of women post-divorce and, um, they didn't have maybe a very active role in some of the finances. And so, um, a lot of it, they don't really feel like they fully knew what was going on or, you know, understood things. And then they're kind of just, 
sort of there and, and accepting kind of what, what comes at them, but is there any maybe kind of key tips or advice when it comes to the division of assets and things like that, that people should keep in mind? If you don't know how to read your statements or don't know what that is, you need to get a handle on that because that's the kind of stuff that you're going to have to deal with after. Um, it's, it's really, if you're not a numbers person, it's really important to find somebody who can explain it to you. Um, again, not making decisions for you, but you need to understand it. Otherwise, you're always going to feel like you wondered if... Did I get manipulated? Was I taken advantage of? Did I get my fair share? So you need to invest in understanding at least that situation. And that'll give you some confidence that you made out okay. So that is really, it's not anything that anybody can avoid. Because um, it, it'll just carry over into everything um, going forward. The other part that I often see um, because of, and I am going to use the word ignorance or lack of knowledge, is that um, a lot of people think that they, um, there's money being hidden or mm -hmm. they're being like going through that. And I'm like, well, the only way you can know that is you need to dig and you need to learn the numbers. And once you learn the numbers, then you'll have, you'll either find out, yes, they're hiding money or they're known that they're not hiding money. But if you're going to say that and be fearful of that, then you need to take control and figure out if that is true or not. And I'm not saying everybody does it and not everybody doesn't do it, but I'm like, the only protection you have is to dig and, and to actually get familiar with the numbers, right? And there are forensic people, there are people that can support you and help you go through that. Um, you don't have to go all the way to like a forensic accountant, but there are some tips in terms of, you know, tracking some things. And I do, when my clients bring that up, I really make sure that we don't just gloss over that. I'm like, why do you feel that way? And what, what information do they need to know in order to put that to rest? Because that will eat them alive if they feel. Yeah. Yeah. That that's happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just that I think too, it's like a realization or, or really getting engaged. So you have a good understanding because another thing I see, I think is that people thought there was more or they expect more. And then, you know, the reminder there is like there, you can only split what exists. Like there's not this, you know, pile of money down the line or this, this mm -hmm. mythical amount that, that you can take more of. I think it's maybe that the emotional, you know, pain and distress, and they think that money can make up for it by saying, well, then I should get more of this. Cause you did this, this, and that, or, um, you know, I didn't realize you were being bad with the finances. So I should, you know, get, but there only is like, you can only divide what exists. I think that's an important one for people to remember too. Um, that, that what is there when you see the finances. So having that clear spreadsheet or wherever you have everything put together of showing exactly what everything is. And like you said, having a clear understanding of what everything is, um, is so important because that's it. Like there's not, that's what you have to deal with. And that's what you have to talk about dividing and getting to that um, equal division or mm -hmm. fair division. And there's not, yeah. there's not a secret. Like you said, maybe it's, they think it's hiding or somehow they thought it was more that's fine. But if that that's not the case, then this is it. This is what you have that you're working with. Um, yeah. And so the two big assets that a lot of people have problems with is a, if one spouse is self-employed, um, often the self-employed spouse is thinking, I put my sweat 
in tears. It takes a special person to be an entrepreneur. It's like, uh, that's mine. I don't need to share. I'm like, yeah, it is. So a business is a marital asset, maybe not all of it. And it might not be divided 50, 50, but there's a big misconception, um, especially for women, if they've been married to a self-employed person that they won't get their share of the business, but no, that is a marital asset. You, everybody contributes to a marriage in a different form yeah. and a different relationship. The other key important part for anybody who is separating and divorcing someone who is self-employed is to actually understand how to read financial statements and how to understand what their income is gonna be like going forward for support purposes. Because what they report to tax, to CRA or to the you know tax center is very different than what they're actually making. So those are two areas that people need to get information on. Even if you're not going to run a business, you either need to find somebody who you trust that will help you with those numbers, or you need to understand those those key parts. The other part is pensions, defined benefit pensions. Again, there's something very personal about those that, you know, people will say like, if I'll give you everything, but I'll, I'll, if you don't touch my pension, I'm like, well, that you need to know what the value of the pension is before you can actually make an informed decision. So don't commit to anything until you really understand the numbers and what everything is worth. Yeah. Yeah. And it might seem, you know, it might take some time and learning and like, it might be a bit overwhelming at first, but like you said, if you can ask people, if you can get other, um, you know, people to give you advice on it, it's just like, I always think of it as like concepts and math. Someone can explain it one way and it can go completely over your head and you're just like, no, don't get it. But sometimes having a different teacher or a different person explain it to you or a different scenario, all of a sudden it clicks and you're like, okay, I get it this makes sense. So getting to that point where you get there rather than just being like, okay, okay. I just, yeah, I I don't want to keep going here. Like, do you take that time to say, Mm -hmm. okay, now I get it. Now I understand. Cause again, it's, it's going to help with that resolution. It's going to help you feel like everything was, yeah, that, that, that was a good agreement for you as well. And that you, yeah. And there's a plug in for actually getting coaching. If you're actually having a tough time understanding the concepts that professionals are, Uh, explaining to you that probably is a good sign that you probably need some coaching some personal coaching because when you're stressed when you're emotional you actually have less capacity to actually receive that information and make informed decisions so if you're hearing the same thing over and over again and can't get it yeah it could be the person explaining it to you but also could be your capacity to actually be processing and that could well help if you can reduce your stress and, you know, get through your emotional part and and do some self-care. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So any other like additional ideas or strategies for the, I guess, getting through, because like I said, we talk about maybe once it's done, but, you know, getting through and getting through it in a place that you feel really good about where things are going. Is there any kind of additional ideas that we didn't talk about as things that people can consider? The, you know, it, it, this is going to be a very personal thing. Um, the longer you can work things out and not start living separate and apart, sort of the better, but um, that's always, that's not a viable option for many people. Um, so I get that. So the first thing you should always be addressing is day-to-day finances, right? Making sure that support's being paid or you have enough, Um 
you know, start separating out bank accounts, start agreeing on who's going to pay. And sometimes that is just enough to then get into carry things over for a couple of months and sort of then get on with life a little bit. And then you can start dealing with the bigger stuff. Right. But I would definitely come to some agreements and deal with day-to-day finances. Cause it's amazing how many people come and say, okay, I want a divorce. And I'm like, what have you done? And I'm like, well, the first thing you need to do is separate day-to-day finances. And they're like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. And lawyers don't talk about that at all, but I would highly recommend because the sooner you do that, then if someone is incurring some debt, then you don't feel like you're responsible for, you start maintaining your own money. You start getting a little bit of confidence that you're going to be okay. But if you're going to keep lending your finances and one inevitably Two spouses never have the same capacity. Like if you're managing one pool of money, one person's always doing more. So now it's time to separate it out and you each manage your own pool of money and figure out what it is. And that actually is extremely helpful. And it's it's something that's hugely overlooked. Okay. I love that too. Especially because it kind of goes in line with what you said. It's you have to keep living through it um, because it's going to take some time. So you might as well start getting that stuff stored and so the day to day. So it somehow how still feels like you're kind of going your separate way. You're you're living independently or at least financially independently and things like yeah, that. You're making some progress. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The little wins. Exactly. Um, so I guess just to in for the sake of time, we'll wrap this up. There's a lot we can talk about. And I guess I could, yeah, we could keep chatting about this topic for a long time. But um maybe for listeners, maybe very briefly for you to just share kind of what it would look like if you know your process, if people were to reach out to you maybe where they find you as well. And then what that looks like if they, if they reach out to you. Mm-hmm. So my website is uh kimdivorce.ca. So C-A-I-M divorce.ca. Um, and I work as a mediator. I work with couples and, but actually I am more and more working with individuals. So you, I can actually also coach um, the individuals for, cause I'm actually a communication and conflict coach as well. So I can help you negotiate directly. And I do have a lot of clients that still have a lawyer, but what they're doing is they're working through, I'm the sounding board and, and they're using their lawyer sparingly in order to keep the, the budget. And some people don't even engage a lawyer at all. Yeah. So I can work with individuals and couples. I do get a lot of, um, individuals where I start working with them and eventually their spouse come on board down the road right so they're making some progress and because I always keep always tell them to keep the door open that you know they're they got to be in this together they to continue banding and I'm always an advocate for keep rebuilding that bridge like you know putting the olive branch out there and doesn't mean putting your tail between your legs and accepting it but it's about um bridging the gap between the two of you and for your own sanity, for your own happiness, for your own future success. I love it. I love it. And we'll include those, um, the link to your website as well in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rose. This is awesome. This is important information. And I think it's going to definitely impact, you know, some listeners that are hearing this, if they're going through these scenarios or someone who might know someone going through the scenario, pass this along, share this information with them. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been an amazing yes, 30 thank minutes. You. I appreciate thank it. Hello, everyone. Thank and thanks for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye. I hope you found value in this episode. 
And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.